Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Listen, to quote the great Terrell Owens, get your motherfucking popcorn ready because this is a smash mouth hard body karate episode of the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast with New York Times bestselling author of the book Black Privilege, host of The Breakfast Club, an iconic shit talker, Charlemagne the God is rocking with me on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. This is an iconic shit talker, okay? Charlemagne is an iconic shit talker, and game respects game. I get to talk to him about his prediction from years ago that Cardi B would be a huge star behind the scenes of all his interviews, including his pre-election interview of Hillary Clinton. What was going on when Cash Money's Birdman came into the studio? And demanded that he put some respect on his name. And watching Kanye West bug the fuck out right in front of him for about an hour on The Breakfast Club. Listen, this is a dope Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Charlemagne was once photographed and videotaped with Fox News' Tommy Loren. I call her a chicken head. Chicken head Tommy. Um, breaks that down. How that came about. Listen, this 
is a hard body I am Rappaport stereo podcast coming up now with Charlemagne the God. Let's go. All right, I got to talk to you about Quip, okay? I'm going to be honest here. You're supposed to brush your teeth for two minutes twice a day. But do you? I mean, do you really do that? Whether your answer is yes or no, or maybe you need Quip, okay? The electric toothbrush that looks like it was designed by the people from Apple, and it cleans like a premium, high-octane electric instrument without the high price. Quip is the best toothbrush in the world. Quip is the new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into an ultra-slim design with guiding pulses to simplify better brushing at a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes. Quip comes with a mount that goes right onto your mirror, fitting seamlessly into your daily routine. You want to have a good time? You got to have good teeth. Quip also offers an optional subscription plan delivering new brush heads on dentist-recommended three-month schedule for just $5. Just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Okay, and just in time for the holidays, Quip is the ideal size and price to give to anyone on your list. Okay? You want to have good friends? You want to have good family members? They got to have good teeth. You can even include automatic brush head deliveries for a year to ensure that your gift keeps on giving until the next holiday. Quip starts at just $25. And right now, when you go to getquip.com, that's getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash I am Rappaport to get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Go to getquip.com slash I am Rappaport. Get the best electric toothbrush in the world. All right. Charlemagne the God. Yeah. In the motherfucking house. What's up, my brother? Michael Rappaport. What's happening? Everything's cool, man. I appreciate you coming. Yeah, thanks for Rock having me. Rock on me. The I am Rappaport stereo podcast. You're usually the interviewer. Yes. Are you comfortable being interviewed? Yeah, I actually enjoy it. It feels like therapy. You know what I mean? I think sometimes we need uh, people to talk to. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's always interesting to see uh, what people's perception of you is. Right. And the things that they think about and the things that they want to ask you. So I always find that like intriguing. What's the hardest interview you've ever had? Because I got to say, one of the things... I said this to you when I was on The Breakfast Club. You know, one of the things um, that I'm most impressed with you, when you're interviewing people, you don't contextualize. Like, you don't sort of excuse yourself you'll just ask questions absolutely which which i respect that and mm-hmm. it, you know like and i've started interviewing people and like you know doing docs and shit like that sometimes i'll go ah, blah, 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 and then ask the question like your interviews like you'll just go blop yeah you know what i mean what, what have you ever like what's the hardest interview you've ever had I where think- someone has sort of put you to it um, the, the hardest interviews for me are always with, with the with the younger cats. You know what I'm saying? Not all of the younger cats, but a lot of them are like very socially awkward. Like like somebody like the Migos, you know what I'm saying? Like not all of them though. Like offset offset is is a good conversationalist, so to speak, you know, but like I mean, a lot of times, and I don't blame them, they don't want to be interviewed. They don't have a reason to be interviewed. Like, they didn't grow up with the traditional outlets that we grew up on. They don't have to do interviews. You know right. what I mean? Like, they don't have to make TV appearances if they don't want to. You know, they you're just, talking about the artists. The artists, yeah. So when you got these younger guys like like the Migos or um, uh, uh, I remember Chief Keef early on, like, 
they 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 really don't want to be there. And I understand it. Right. I get I get it. Like they're probably very talkative amongst their their circle, but when when they when it comes to getting interviewed, they just don't want to be asked questions. Do you find like I mean, cause your reputation as 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 a host on the Breakfast Club specifically, and I and I preface it uh, you know, everything um, you know, that you've done before and you'll you'll hear a a very if you even listen to this, mm-hmm. you'll hear a very uh fawning sort of intro. But like your reputation as an interview, like people know like all right, if I'm going to Charlemagne, I need to be awake. I need to be yeah, focused yeah, yeah. because, you know, just the interviews, you've had crazy fucking interviews. Yeah, I, I appreciate that energy, but that makes for awkward interviews too because sometimes people come in there and they're so on the defense. And like, do you feel that now? Yeah, I think some people, um, I think some people are starting to be more comfortable just because they know like I'm not malicious with it. Like I'm not just trying to attack or I'm not trying to make a moment. I just want to have some real life honest conversation. Right. So as long as you come in there with that approach, we good. But a lot of times they come in there with that defensive energy thinking that they're going to get swooped down on. But if if as long as you don't come in there with that, you, you'll be fine. Have you, because I, I, I feel like you've pulled back just a little bit. Like again, like you ask the questions, you stay in the pocket, mm-hmm. you ask questions. Do you feel like as you've gotten older, more experienced, like you're more of a compassionate interview or like, you know, you'll pull back on people now? Like, whereas before I, you'll just like pounce, pounce, pounce. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have more sympathy and empathy and compassion now only because like, you know, I've been in the game long enough to kind of be on the other side as well. Right. So it's a lot of things that, that, that I read about myself that I know aren't true. So I know I still got to ask the question. But just in my mind, I'm thinking like, yo, 90% of everything we read about people is bullshit anyway. But you got to do it right. because, because, because of the listeners, you know what right. I mean? Like the listeners want us to, to ask those questions. But yeah, I mean, that, that's the main reason that, you know, I, I have more compassion now just because I understand the game more. Like when you're young and you're coming from most corner of South Carolina and you believe in everything you read on the internet in your mind, you swear you know. So you're, you're, you're coming at people like, ah, oh, you're lying. It's that like, yeah, you in the Illuminati. Yeah, you, you know, sacrifice the dribble to get what you are. Like, you think you know everything, but that's just not accurate. Right. You know? So, yeah, the more you grow, you definitely have more sympathy and empathy and compassion with the guests. Yeah, because I, I feel like it's still like a hard place to get interviewed. Like, I know when I was up there, I was like, yo, I'm fucking like, I was like, I had my soda, I had my fucking coffee. I was yeah. like, I'm fucking <laughs> like, you know, but then I'm like, yo, these guys are cool and it was fair but firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? My interview was fair but firm because, you know, r- r- morning radio, especially in New York, at times, it's like you want these things for the show. Yeah. Because it's good for the show. The Kanye, the Birdman shit, yeah. and, and all the fucking craziness. Um, uh, but, but think about it. Those interviews like that came from an honest place. Like even with Birdman, Birdman was upset because I would constantly say, why would somebody sign the Young Money Cash Money? When this guy has a reputation of not paying people. Right. That's not really malicious. That's just a, a accurate observation. Like, right. You know, he's always in the news for not paying something, uh, not paying some artist. So I'm like, why would anybody want to sign that? You see how he's doing Wayne. So that's what had him hot and heated. Same thing with Kanye. Uh, I thought the Yeezus album was whack. That was a turning point for me as a fan of yours because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm so fucking glad he said it. And I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Kanye. But, Me too. But that, I, And as a fan, I have the right to say this product you put out is whack. Or right. those sneakers you put out are trash. Or that clothing you just put out is whack. I may like the, I may like the next thing that you put out. But that, that run was garbage. Right. So the Birdman interview, to put some respect on my name, put some respect on my name. Did you know he was coming up there? Yes. See, uh, Universal. Give me the back. Give me the background. The the backstory is Malcolm from Universal called me 
two weeks prior to that interview. And he called me like four in the morning, which isn't unusual because people know I'm up that early. So he was like, yo, uh, you know, Birdman wants to come up there in a couple weeks. He just wants to make sure you're there. I'm like, cool, sure. So that lets me already know you're about to be on some fuck shit. You already <laughs> like, knew that he was coming. Yeah, I knew he was coming with an agenda. Right. You know, I mean, I didn't know exactly what level it was going to be on, but I knew he was coming with an agenda. And if you watch that interview, when he walked in the room, that wasn't supposed to be on air. That was me standing in the studio and watching him pace back and forth outside. So I told everybody, all right, turn the cameras on now. Right. So as soon as he walked in the room, he cursed us all out. And then if you notice, he sits down and Envy starts the interview. And I go, no, this dude just cursed us out. Say it on the air. And he didn't really, you know, he, I had to coax it out of him. He came in high, right. sat down, came back down a little bit, but then went high again. And then where did it come? I mean, that shit is like a hashtag. Yeah, like yeah, it went, yeah, yeah. It, it still is like, put some respect on me. I don't even remember. Was that like two years ago, three years ago? That was last year. It was last year. but April, that, April 2016. Like put some respect on my name. 30 years from now, that shit will, everybody <laughs> like that was around, like you'll know, like that was They'll like a pop that moment. culture moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Weird. Like what was the sort of like, the fallout from it or the buildup from it. Like what like how crazy did that that particular interview and just the the the, the hype for the station and the show and are like your boss is like, fuck, this is fucking great. You get a fucking raise. Get some more crazy shit going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot changed because of that interview. Cause that was the same week where we interviewed uh, Hillary Clinton that Monday, and that was the whole hot sauce in my bag thing. So that was our biggest interview media-wise. And then Friday, Birdman came and was even bigger than that. And to be honest with you, I didn't, that's when I realized the world had changed because Prince died that Thursday. Mm. And we do, our, we do all our interviews on a Thursday. So the day, the day we interviewed Birdman, Prince died later on that afternoon. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, ain't nobody going to care about this Birdman shit tomorrow. But I was like, let's, let's let it fly anyway. It, it, it overshadowed Prince dying. That's crazy. And Hillary had been on that Monday. Hillary had been on that Monday. So it was the whole hot sauce in my bag thing with Hillary. But then that put, put some respect on my name was just one of those moments you just, you don't know what's going to happen. But it, it changed everything for us because up until that point, I had been telling iHeart for the longest, like, yo, we need a YouTube page. We need a YouTube page. And they had like a YouTube page where they would put like clips of the interviews on it, but they were still like very old school prehistoric because they wanted everybody to go to Power105's website. And I'm like, yo, our player sucks. Like every major media outlet is on YouTube. Why aren't we just putting interviews on YouTube? So after that, when that interview went online and got like 70 million views on somebody's page, that's when it was like, okay, yeah, you're right. Let's so oh, that was the first, that was like the beginning of like you guys being officially on YouTube. Absolutely. So the Kanye interview, again, like, and I actually listened to it again, knowing that I was going to talk to you mm -hmm. to interview you. That dude, like, and then sooner or later, like, he started melting down. Like, did you get a sense that, like, that was a crazy person or somebody that was in trouble or struggling? Yeah, he definitely had something going on uh, within him. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it's the constant dealing with somebody like your mother passing away or if it's the... The, the struggles that he was having with the fashion industry. I, I don't I don't know what it was, but he definitely was dealing with with something, you know? And I think that that's that's why we saw so much uh we saw him vent so much. You know what I mean? Up leading up up until that point. And he still vented a little bit afterwards, but I mean, yo, he got the opportunity to do what it is that he wanted to do and he succeeded at it. Did you have you spoken to him since? We correspond every I haven't spoken to him in a while, but we we would correspond via email every now and then. Did you think like that interview like cuz that was bef that was after the Sway interview, right? Uh no, I think he no, he left 
He left Breakfast Club and went over this way. Okay, so it was just a fucking day of. Yeah. It was like yep. I'm gonna deal with Charlemagne yep. and Sway. Yeah. And 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 uh, I mean that was just like a bugged out time. What is your opinion of of his whole career in terms of hip hop? Because like I said, I'm a fan. Like I'm a fan of his production. I'm a fan of. You know, the first two, three albums, there's always some shit on his records that's dope. He's prolific, but, like, he's gotten so, like, prisoner of his fame in a way. Yeah. And prisoner of his own mind and prisoner of his own creativity and prisoner of his own ego. Like, what is your opinion of Kanye, like, now? And now it's 2017. We're getting ready to go to 2018. Like, what is your opinion of him as an artist? I think uh, I think Kanye West is one of the three most influential rappers of all time. I think it's Tupac Shakur. I think it's Jay-Z. And I think it's Kanye West. Because when you look at this whole generation, well, a good, a good portion of this generation, whether it's, uh, you know, the Kendrick Lamars, the Drakes, the J. Coles, the Big Sean's, the Chance, the Rappers, the Vic Mensas, they're all fruit off Kanye's mm-hmm, tree. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So Kanye's, Kanye is a goat. He's a legend. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's up there with the bigs and mm-hmm. the... the the Scarfaces and the Hoves, the Pox, like you have to put Kanye up there. If there's a if there's a rap Rushmore, Kanye has to be on that rap Rushmore. I agree. He has to be. I agree. And the guy got like, yo, he got he got four to five classic albums. Yeah. In hindsight, college dropout, late registration, graduation, my beautiful dog, twisted fantasy, even eight oh eight and heartbreaks. In hindsight, like you got to look at those five albums and be like, all right. Those are some 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 classic classic records. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, he's prolific, and, and and just the joints that he's produced for other people. Yeah, and, I, and that's what I look at. Like even when you look at somebody like Hove, you know, the reason I put Hove up as one of the greatest, not only because he's one of the greatest MCs ever, but look at look what he inspired, and that's that's what Kanye like. Kanye got Pusha T as his artist and. Big Sean, and you know he was responsible for Kid Cudi. Like, like you know he's responsible for all of these other great artists. You're right. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put Kanye. He's actually ranks really, really, really high in terms of just like the overall sort of overall. Yeah, if you're if you're being objective and being unbiased, you gotta put Kanye like. Man, he's up there, like really up there. Rap. I'm talking about like <laughs> when you're talking about Big Daddy Kane, KRS. When you talking about those. Top 10 greats? Yeah. Kanye might be up there top 10 of all time, man. Do you think, like, I look at his career similarly. Now, Kobe's now, everybody loves him. You know, everybody like, you know, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. But, like, he's had these fucking ebbs when he was playing. Ebbs and flows. He had the Afro Kobe, the bowler, and then he's rapping. You know, he's shooting air balls, and then he's come around, and then he fucked up, and then the case. We forget all, you know. And it's like these ebbs and flows, and then he came to the end. It's like everybody loves Kobe. He's top five. And he's also the, the, like, Kobe's like a basketball savant. Like, his whole life was built on getting playing and conquering the NBA. And in a way, I look at Kanye, like, he seems like his whole life, you know, he's 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 like 40 now, but he was like, you know, all the, the Rockefeller yeah. shit. He was like, I'm going to be, an, I'm a, I'm gonna be a, a rapper. I'm going to be a, a producer. And, and this is what I do. And that's all I fucking do. Right. And then he goes through these, you know, like, he's dope. Everybody loves him. Everybody fucking hates him. And now he's like in a space where, I don't know what the fuck, you know, he's almost like in an Eminem sort of space because it's like, he might have passed this, his biggest time might have passed because he's older. I liked the Life of Pablo album, though. Did you? I thought the Life of Pablo album was dope. I couldn't fucking stand it, man. I, I liked it. You, know what it. you know what it was with the Life of Pablo album? His personality overshadowed all the music. He was bigger than his music. I think 50 Cent has the same problem. 
50 Cent's character is just bigger than his music. I think with Kanye, like his personality and character was bigger than his music. Because that the Life of Pablo album is actually a really dope album. And I went to the concert and watched him perform it. Like Waves Goes Hard. That's the one where he's on the fucking stage. Yeah, man. Like he he got some joints on that. Like that's a really good album. I just think his personality overshadowed the music. Eminem is trash now, though. Oh my I, god. I agree. Oh, what happened? You know what it is? I hate woke Eminem. <laughs> I don't like conscious Eminem. I don't want to hear that shit from you, man. Like, I love when white people use their privilege to combat prejudice, but I don't want to hear that. I, it just sounds... Woke Eminem is garbage. Do you, do you think it's the rhymes or the beats? Because for me, I, if you look at somebody who's as talented as him yeah, yeah, as, yeah. A, as, a, as an MC, the amount of songs that I actually fuck with with Eminem because of the beats to me, they're too... Like, I want... I said this when I was with you. I want the fucking smackers, man. Yeah, I want up. the bump. I want that funk. I want yeah. that soul. Like, I don't want all this, you know, like, I, I got a feeling like that fucking... Um, like I peace. I don't want that shit. <laughs> like, I know it's a great song, and I, Will I Am's buying building office, and, yeah. and, you know, I'm in my one-bedroom apartment, but I want those fucking smackers, yeah, man. And Eminem, yeah. he's got very few of his own smackers through his whole career. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I've always respected Eminem's lyrical ability. I've, he's amazing to me, but I've always said if he was black, he'd be red man. Because Redman is just as, Redman is phenomenal, but M always says Redman is his favorite rapper. But I didn't ride around bumping Eminem albums. Never. Never. Like, I just couldn't get with that. It's like, it's just shit I couldn't get with. I don't want to kill my mom. I don't, never wanted to kill a baby mother. Like, I don't, I don't have those issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I just couldn't relate. But he's dope. Yeah. He's phenomenal with the wordplay, but it's just like, now I'm like, that Beyonce record was trash. <sighs> I heard another one lately. I forgot this. And why do you need Beyonce for a song? And, and, and like, the, to me, it's like, Eminem, you don't need Beyonce for a song. It's just yeah. a mix, not message, but it's like, just, you've been, like, yo, you came out, you had you set the table, the BET shit, like, put some shit out. I didn't like the BET freestyle. Why, we, why didn't you like it? Because I just thought, I just thought, uh, uh, just, just lyrically, it was okay. I, and I just, I just didn't think it was dope. Like, right. I mean, I love the message in it. Don't right, get me wrong. Right, I love right. the message. Love that you're using your privilege to combat prejudice. Right. But it just wasn't hot. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Like, if I'm sitting, I'm like, all right. It just wasn't hot. But by Eminem standards, it wasn't hot to me. Like, he had that one line where he goes, being racist is the only thing you're fantastic for because you, you know, uh, you're, you're orange and you get your rocks off. I'm like, what? That, I'm a comic book head. That's a reach. The thing ain't even orange. Like, it's just I don't know I didn't I didn't like that either. One of the other things, all right, because there's so much shit. I'm I'm so glad you're here. Um, the Kanye West interview, the Birdman interview. What would you say, Charlemagne, the Gods, Breakfast Club, five craziest interviews, where you were just like, five have things interviews. gone too like? Forget the Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about like you know the fucking Onyx interview. Nuts. Like I was like, yo, this is. This is crazy. The Ray J call. Like, I mean, this was like where I was like, yo, I'm, I'm getting old. Like, I don't give a fuck with Ray J and Fabulous. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Like, so what would you say? Like, if you look back, like, yo, these are the, the five craziest, excluding Kanye and, and Birdman. Um, it just depends what you call crazy. Like, I guess, you know, Frederick Starr would have been crazy. But I, I actually thought that was dope because I grew up on Onyx. So I grew up on Back to Fuck Up. So to see Sonny Caesar, you know what I mean? See, to see Frederick Starr really wilding. You know, Sonny sees a sticky Frederick, like, to see him wilding like that in that moment, I, like, yo, this is dope. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like watching a back to fuck up video live and in person. You know what I mean? Like, stuff like that didn't bother me. Um, did you think that interview were like, yo, this is going to, like, we're going to be fighting in here? Like, did you ever think, like, this is going to go over the, the shit talking, over the well, beefing edge and, like, 
this is going to like turn, like, did you feel like that? Like, it was going to get fucking out of hand? That's interesting because I never, <laughs> I never been in that position. So in that moment, I'm like, I'm, first of all, I was wondering, I'm like, why, I'm like, why you get so mad, bro? Like, what's up? Because you said this about Brandy. Like, I didn't make this up. Like, I didn't pull this out the sky. You are on a video saying you got head from Brandy. So why are you upset with me? Because I bought it up, you know? So that's the first thing I was thinking. And then, you know, uh, you know I'm listening to him huff and puff. And if you watch the interview, I asked him, I said, yo, do you good or do we need five minutes? And, you know, right. that's just saying, like, you want to go in another room and throw down a little bit? Like, right. you know, it's all good. And he was like, nah, I'm good. All right, cool. Nothing else to talk about. You right. Know? Like, I don't, like, the verbal don't bother me. Right. Know? Like, you know, if you, as long as you don't put your hands on me, we cool. Like, right. The, the verbal, that's just talking. Right. You know? Um, Beanie Siegel was another one that was very hostile. He was pissed. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't, that don't bother me either. Cause I don't mind that. Cause I, if I'm, I'm sitting there telling you exactly what I want to tell you so you can respond however you want. Right. Like, like I'm not, I'm not ever surprised by anybody's reaction, you know, but the one, those interviews like that don't never, I don't ever look at those as like scary or anything. Like they're not crazy to me. The, the things that are crazy to me are the things that I don't think are a big deal. Like which ones? Um, or what moments? Well, I'm not going to say I didn't think it was a big deal. I just didn't think it all the way through like I wanted to. Like this year we had Little Duval on there. Right. And he made, the, you know, he, he didn't make the comments about uh, transgenders, transsexuals. Somebody, we, you know, I, I asked him what he thought of the military ban. And everybody says that was a stupid question to ask Duval. But, yo, usually when you ask comedians those kind of questions, they have like different viewpoints than we've seen before. So that was a legit question of mine. But then, you know, Envy asked him about if he slept with a transgender or transsexual and, you know, found out that they used to be a guy, how would he feel? And Duval's reaction was, yo, um, somebody got to die. And I'm like, no, you can't say that. That's, that's a hate crime. And then he was like, well, hold on, let me rephrase. If I was deceived like that, I would probably be so angry that I would want to kill somebody. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And then I was like, yo, you just can't go around killing transvestites. But it just, you know, it just, it went, it just went, to, I didn't. I didn't take into consideration how they feel. Right. You know what I mean. And I think that's that's that comes with being a heterosexual male. Who I'm not in those spaces. I'm right. not having those conversations with those people. We take for granted what hurts. Right. Other communities sometimes. You know what I mean? Because we're just kicking the shit. Right. You know, Duvall's really my friend. So that's like that's a real conversation we would be having if the mics weren't on. And right. he's really my guy. So we was just having a real conversation, but we weren't taking into consideration. You know, at the time, I think it was like 14, 15 transgender, right. transsexual that had been killed that year. So that was a very sensitive thing. So for me, that was crazy. And I wish that, I wish I knew more about that community or I had more compassion towards that community. So I would have just taken that out. Was there a lot of blowback for that, from that? Oh, hell yeah. And what is it like from your bosses? Is it like nah? What is the, the it? LGB, Internet? The LGBT community? They're coming right at you. Yeah, I was in a fire this motherfucker. Oh man, they they had a they had a petition going. Are you like yo? I fucked up. Um, like have you ever? I was, felt like- I, was, I was I was a little confused at first because I was like, hold up, y'all acting like I said it. You know what I'm saying? I was right. like, I actually defended it and told my man he can't say that. I'm like, yo, that's a hate crime. I specifically said, yo, you can't go around killing transgender people. You know what I'm saying? So like, why is all of this rhetoric coming towards me? Like they came and, you know, protested me at um, Politicon. Uh-huh. I was out there with MSNBC and they came and protested me there. They boycotted in front of the radio station. So I was a little confused about it until I had to like, I just had to take a step back and say, hold up, let me see what I could have done better in this situation. You know, I'm, I'm never one when I'm getting 
critiqued to just be like, nah, y'all wrong, and nah, it wasn't me. I want to see, like, yo, let me let me find let me find out what my place was in this, right. this whole situation. How could I have changed right. this energy? So it was just a matter of like, like you said earlier, like being more compassionate. You know what I mean? Like being more sympathetic. Because guess what? If that was a white dude in there, and he would have made a comment about you know black people and said something like, yeah, do I kill black black person? I'd have felt the way, right? You know what I mean? So sometimes you got to put yourself in other people's shoes. That's all. Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. when you interviewed her. Like, and what goes into that? Like, are there, like, fucking Secret Service come up there? Like, what's the behind the scenes? And what's your preparation, like, for Hillary Clinton? Because that's, like, this ain't fucking Puff. This yeah. ain't Hove. This is beyond that. This is, like, yo, I'm about to... She's running for president of the United States. Yeah, I don't I don't even know if I've ever, ever said this anywhere, but um, I remember they, they was trying to get Hillary on for a while. They were trying to get her on the Breakfast Club. Yeah, for a while. And, and one time they called my phone, and they had, like, this... uh, Like, it was just a... a, a a pre-interview like it was just vetting me basically you know what i'm saying like what would you ask hillary and this and that and i'm just who was they did you like was it just some my man uh my man bakari sellers hooked it up i don't i can't remember exactly who i was on the phone with though but um after that conversation they actually they vet all your social media oh shit to see what you've ever said about hillary everything everything yo they pulled up a video from this old social media app called Scout that I forgot I even had. Mm. And I, I, one Halloween, I had put on a Hillary mask. Mm-hmm. And I was going around just thrusting people. <laughs> like, like, I'd be grabbing like, and it was, I was like, I was just thrusting like my coworkers, like mm. the, the guys, pause, but mm-hmm. it, it was what it was, right? And um, they had that up there. And then I think I made like a, a tweet like eight, nine years ago and I said something like, Hillary in pantsuits. So, so I, I forgot. I don't remember what I even said. And they, they're bringing all this up to you. All of that shit. All of it. So they passed at first. They was like, nah, we're not bringing Hillary here. But then like, you know, like uh, in 2016, like around April, it was April. They was just like all of a sudden, because this was 2015 when this happened. Right. So like April, like maybe around March. Oh, they, they took me to dinner too. That was the other thing. Who, who? I went to her campaign team at the time. They're like checking you out to see what your deal is. Yeah, because see, the thing is, and this is why I think we missed out on a great opportunity with Hillary. Hillary had so many women of color around her. Like her whole team, everybody that she was, you know, dealing with as far as campaign strategy was all women of color. Like those are the people that were running her campaign. And they all were listening to the Breakfast Club. And they was like, no, you have to go on the Breakfast Club. So we, we went to dinner and we kicked it. And um, they, they was like, yo, she wants to do the interview. So we did it in Harlem. I, somebody, I even actually had a picture of her prepping to interview with me beforehand she was prepping it looked so crazy it looked like they're in a war room and like everybody's like communicating with her and handing her papers and this and that and um my, my mindset with interviewing hillary i said to myself rap i said yo man there's nothing political i can ask hillary that she won't have a talking point for right nothing there's you're not gonna trick her or walk her into some shit nothing so my only thing politically that i wanted to address with her was the 94 crime bill that that bill clinton you know implemented and Mm -hmm. you know a a lot of people of color were locked up because of that a lot of families destroyed so i wanted to know how she was gonna rectify that but other than that i I just wanted to kick it with hillary because she's so robotic you know what i'm saying like we don't know who hillary clinton is so i'm like i'm just gonna ask her Questions that I know she don't got talking points for. That's why when she sat down, I'm like, yo, historically, you've worn a lot of pantsuits. Has your, you know, uh, a wardrobe been inspired by Steve Harvey? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yo, you was in Brooklyn the other night. You ain't shout out Jay-Z a big. I'm like, yo, you going to pardon Bobby Smurda and Max B? Like, I'm just fucking with her. You know what I'm saying? And did you get a sense of a human being? I did. When you're right in front mm-hmm. of her, you're getting a sense of a human being. I absolutely positively did. And I told everybody that. I was like, yo, 
Hillary's actually a real person. It was one point where she had a coughing fit during the interview. That might happen with me. Yeah. <laughs> it might happen with me. I, you ever, I'm surprised I haven't had a coughing fit yet. But, but stay on Hillary. And, and, and I said to her, I was like, yo, you sound like you've been hitting that medicinal. And she was like, shit, I need some. She said shit? She was like, shit, I need some. Did you say so you, like, they caught it. It's on the, it's like she said it, they, they, it's on the video if you watch it. Yeah, it's on the video. So like little stuff like that, you can't fake. Right, right. You know what I mean? And, and I just, she knew what you meant, but this was, she didn't like absolutely. blank out on you and give you like the fucking. Not at all. Like, and, and, and it's funny because uh, I asked her, because I, I saw one time when she said, if I become president, I'm going to tell the truth about UFOs. So I bought that up because I'm really big into UFOs and extraterrestrials and all that good shit like that. And um, <laughs> like I, mad UFO websites was hitting me. Like I didn't realize like that's a thing. Right. So like right. all these different UFO outlets wanted me to call in. And right. It's all of these stories online about Hillary says she's going to open it up. Charlamagne the God ask her about it. So it's just interesting with those kind of interviews because you really don't realize what type of worlds you're you're speaking to when you do these kind of interviews. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's why if, uh, a lot of people know about the Breakfast Club because we we're not. A, I I love interviewing anybody, man. Like if you got an interesting story, I'm gonna talk to you. Like you don't have to just be of the hip hop culture. Like I want to talk to politicians and you know Sasquatch hunters. Like right. if you just got an interesting story, I want to kick it with you. Who who are the like top five people that you have not interviewed? Like who's the people on your list now? You'd be like, I want bop 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 bop. That's always an interesting question, man. Because I I, I really honestly haven't. I don't think about it. Like this is one of those things when you see it on the like wow. Sonia Layton's coming here. What? Malcolm Gladwell wants to come to the Breakfast Club. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and because these are people that I'm, I'm huge fans of. You right. Know I, mean? I read, I've read all Malcolm Gladwell books. Right. You know what I mean? So when I see them wanting to come to the Breakfast Club, I'm like, oh wow. And then it hits me like, yeah, I do want to talk to that person. You right. Know what I mean? Like, but there's, there's really nobody I sit around like, yeah, I can't wait to. The, the bill with that person. You know I, what I mean? It's an interesting question. The answer is—is is that a political answer or you're dead serious? I'm dead serious. Like I, I honestly don't think about it. Like I've ne- I've never sat around and like yo I want to talk to this person. You know what I mean? Like it's per it's, like somebody like for example Dick Gregory. Right. I remember somebody emailing me like yo Dick Gregory wants to come on the Breakfast Club and I'm like he's reaching out to you. Yeah, and I'm like. Hell yeah. I think he was doing Caroline. Maybe it was Greg Charles. Maybe somebody, maybe somebody Caroline. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to talk to Dick Gregory. But you got to think, these are people who aren't even in the realm of my possibility to think the interview. I've been doing the Breakfast Club seven years. I never thought I'd sit down. I would sit down with Dick Gregory. Right. I never thought about it. Right. You know what I mean? I, I, I just, it just never crossed my mind. I never thought I would interview Hillary. Right. I didn't think that that was, was something that was going to happen. Right. But when you see it on the guest list or you get the request for it, you're like, hell yeah. I've been waiting to sit down and talk to that person. That's dope. And what about the wackest interviews? You were, te- you, you were saying- It's always who, the young boys, man. Who, who was it? You said something to me when I saw you the other day. The, um, there was a YouTube dude- Oh, who, Jake Paul. Who, who, now, so he comes in and, and what? I, I don't know who the fuck yeah. that is. Yeah, he's a 20-year-old YouTube guy. I really still don't know what he does. I don't know if he does music or if he's one of those guys that does stunts, but he's got this large, massive YouTube following, like 10 million followers on Instagram. And it's like, yo, he's just, I mean, I don't, I didn't, I don't dislike him. I still don't dislike him. You know, I actually said that uh, when he left, I was like, I, I didn't think, you, you, weren't, you weren't the douche that I thought you was going to be. Douchey! But not a total douche. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like when he sat down, he was just on some shit like, oh, um, yeah, bring it, Charlemagne, bring it. And I'm like, I don't even know who the fuck you are. Right. Like, and then, you know, when I was interviewing him and asking him certain questions based off the research I had done, he was like, you're being aggressive. 
like, bro, I don't know you. And he was like, you know what you're doing. Like, I don't know you, all the motherfuckers I'm asking you about. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, please don't think this is personal. Don't flatter yourself. Right. So, like, those guys like that, it's like, yeah. I mean, that's why I said, like, I love the youth. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not the guy that's going to sit around and pretend like I know what's going on with the youth. I don't think that's, I don't think that's you know, genuine. You know what I mean? Right. Like, first time I interviewed Chance the Rapper, I'm not even going to front. I didn't listen to Chance because his CD was called Acid Rap. Right. So I dismissed that shit from the gate. I'm like, I'm not listening to this shit. Why the fuck I want to hear another drugged out rapper? But I did myself a disservice because he's the total opposite of everything I thought he was. Mm -hmm. So it's like when he came to do an interview to promote his album Surf with his man Donnie Trumpet, I told him that. But that was such a great conversation because it was a sense of discovery. Like, I'm the guy that will tell you straight up, man, in my book, Black privilege, I have a principle. Give people the credit they deserve for being stupid, including yourself. That means the know-it-all knows nothing. I never act like I know it all. Right. I'm always, I always got this childlike sense of discovery. Right. So if I feel this way about you, I'm just going to tell you exactly how I feel. And then you can tell me if I'm full of shit or if I'm stupid or not. And that's what Chance did that day. That he, I, I was stupid. Cause I didn't do my research, and that's fine. Did he say? Did he say that to you? Nah, he didn't. He just. But I just. I knew I was stupid in that right. moment. Because I. I was judging a, a book by its cover, or an album by its cover. Right. In this, in this instance, you know. For me, I'm not a fan of his. I met him. He's nice. I know he's positive. I know he's super positive. Like the music itself, mm -hmm. I'm like, nope. For me, mm -hmm. I, I, I like my shit rough, rugged, and raw, straight the fuck up. Yeah. Like I need that smack. <laughs> like, like I like that, you know, I mean, is it something like you've had a sort of a more open palette to hip hop? Yes. Or if you had to learn it or you sort of force yourself like, yo, I can't just, not everything's going to be fucking, you know, our shit. Not everything's going to be Wu-Tang. Not everything's going to be Tribe. Not everything's going to be Rakim. Like, because you have to sort, you can't just be, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, this well, sucks. Well, well, you and be it, on the radio in New York City. Well, you hit it on the head. I got a, I got an open palette. And the reason I got an open palette is because I'm from Monk's Corner, South Carolina. And, you know, coming from South Carolina, South Carolina didn't have its own music. Like, you're from New York, so you grew up on Tribe and Wu-Tang and Hove and Biggie and all of this shit that you can relate to. I didn't have that in South Carolina. So in South Carolina, we listened to everything. Mm. I was listening to the Up North shit. I got I you. I was listening to the West Coast shit. Of course, when, you know, Down South started bubbling, we were listening to that. Like, we was listening to Outkast early on and Goody Mob. Like, we listened to everything. The stuff that was going on in Texas, the Ghetto Boys and all that. Like, I, we literally listened to everything. Everything. I got you. So being that I had such an open palate, that's just something that carried on me as I got older. Like even now, a lot of the stuff that people say is whack, I can dig it because it reminds me of stuff I grew up on. I love 21 Savage. I love Kodak Black. I can I can get with the Migos. You genuinely get that shit. Yeah. Like, like when I say get it, you know what I'm saying? But get it. I don't feel it, but I get it. It's a difference. What do you mean? I was talking to, uh, uh, what's the brother that did Juicy Fruit? M. Tute. Oh, um, M. Tume. M. Tume. Yeah. He was on the Breakfast Club this morning. And That's dope. Yeah, he said that, he said that you, you, you hear music three ways. You hear it with your ears, your heart, and your body. You know what I'm saying? So I think a lot of this stuff in this generation, 21 Savage, Kodak Black, uh, you know, Future, the stuff that I'm mean, like, I hear it with my ears. So sonically, I like it. But I don't hear it with my heart or my body. You know what I'm saying? Mob Deep, I hear that with my heart. Right. Outcast, I hear that with my heart. Wu-Tang, I hear that with my heart. Like, that's, that's different. You know but, what I mean? But you're able to sort of um, digest it if you're just hearing it with your ears. Because for me, I'm like, yo, I try. I listen to this shit. And I'm not like, 
I want to hear new shit. Yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah. like, I just, it's a different, I don't know, it's a different palpitation. I don't know what the fuck it is. I just don't feel it. Like, I mean, I listen to that stuff when I'm in the gym. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I'm in the gym, like, it's, it's rare that I listen to something now and I feel it. Like, like this year, you know, I felt Rhapsody. Rhapsody is a young lady from, right. from North Carolina. You, like, I feel her with my ears, heart, and body. Like, that's just one of those ones you put in those smackers you're talking about. Like, yeah. whoa. And she's socially conscious. So she, yeah. just, she just dope. Um, Sahada so the Prince. Uh-huh. I, fe- I felt that with, uh-huh. my, with my body and my heart. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, like those are dope ass, dope ass albums. So it's just like, yeah, a lot of the new stuff I hear. You know what I mean? And I think I think it's dope. It reminds me of old Three Six Mafia. I got you. Project Pad. Or like, I got you. I remember Jeezy when he was had the Screeches watching mixtape, and he used to come to the main event in Columbia, South Carolina, and nobody was there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I saw all of those movements grow. I remember T.I. coming through with the great champion hoodie. He didn't even have a deal after he got dropped from uh, uh, LaFace, I think it was, and giving me 24s on white labels, and I'm playing that for him. Like, I, I saw the rise of all of this. So with me, man, that's, that's, it's, it's, I always take offense to New Yorkers just dismissing the South. Because I remember when they booed outcasts here. Right. At the Source Awards, right, which was a very, uh, it's a very, it's a moment people don't speak on, but that that was a very pivotal Source Awards. Speak on that, because that that was when uh, Suge Knight came out and said the infamous, "If you want somebody to," was that the same that year? That was the same year. If you don't want somebody all up in your videos, like that's when the East Coast West Coast feud started. But that's also when Andre 2000 said the South got something to say. So while the East and the West was busy feuding, the South was just busy rising. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that was <laughs> yeah, the same time. Yeah, same, same exact time. Those guys, to me, were when they came, it was like, what the fuck is this? But that shit was fucking banging from the jump. Which is interesting to me that like somebody like you wouldn't have liked Outkast because that's they from the fruit of tribe. Yes. They off the that's like that's tribe got a tree. Outkast yeah. gets fruit off that tree. That was straight, you know, native tongue shit. Like Absolutely. They, they were um <clears throat> they were dope off the off the top. All right, Charlemagne, let me take a break real quick. The Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast is sponsored by Casper Mattress, the outrageously comfortable mattress that I have been sleeping on since we started this podcast. You probably heard about it millions of times on this podcast. You see the ads. It lives up to all the hype and expectations. Real customers have said the Casper Mattress is like sleeping in heaven. Like the tinkling of baby laughter in the moonlight. If you have to compare sleeping on a Casper Mattress to anything, what would it be? How about sleeping on a fucking cloud? Okay, that's what it feels like when I go to sleep on my Casper mattress every single night. That's a fact. I remember the first morning I woke up on a Casper mattress. I was so energized and ready for the day. I felt like a billion bucks. Not a million, a billion bucks. I also got to tell you about their brand new duvet. It's like nothing I've ever felt that keeps you warm and cool at the same time. Okay? Instead of goose feathers, they use duck. That's right. They use fucking duck. You won't believe the difference. With the mattress you can lay on, sleep on, skeet on, do whatever you want to do on, Casper Mattress is the best mattress in the world. Buying a Casper is easy. Order online. It's delivered to your door in a compact box. You're going to be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. It's delivered in a box. Free shipping, free returns. It's available in the United States, Canada, and now the UK. 
considering we spend one-third of our lives on a mattress, it's so important to truly sleep on a mattress before committing. That's why Casper offers you a 100-night sleep trial. That means you get to sleep on the fucking mattress for 100 nights. And I got a special offer for listeners of this here I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Go to casper.com slash Rappaport. Save $50 towards any mattress purchase. It'll change your life. It'll change the way you sleep. It'll change the way you rest. It'll change the way you feel when you get up. Go to casper.com slash Rappaport. Tommy Loren. Yes. What is her fucking story? How did you meet her? And like, where are you at with her now? Because I, somebody said to me the other day, and I was like, yeah, you're fucking right. Like in the last, we're in December, the last 12 months, the world as we know it before it's changed. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully it doesn't get any worse. But like, I feel like right now, if like, I don't care about before, okay, you, you voted for Trump, your taxes, your gun rights, whatever the fuck you were thinking. After all we've been through in the last year, if you still fuck with Donald Trump, I don't care if it's his wife, I don't care if it's his fucking daughters, his fucking son-in-law, all after you, all you fuck, all, all the shit that's happened, how can you still stand by this motherfucker? And seeing this fucking blonde head, big tooth fucking <laughs> chick up there just yapping away, she's like, she's always talking about sexual predators. I'm like, have you been alone with Trump? <laughs> like he would have a fucking field day with you. Like if he caught you alone, he'd be talking that wild shit with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made, and she he, just, he made Weinstein look PG. Yeah, he grabbed the pussy. All his greatest yeah, yeah. hits would come out with. Him. I'm like, who, who is this fucking girl? Yeah, I met her uh, via Twitter. And the reason I met her via Twitter is because one day I was on Twitter and everybody started tweeting me like, "Yo, you got to get this girl Tommy Tommy Lauren Donkey today." I never even heard of her, and I was like. Well, what did she do? And they was like, yo, she went in on Beyonce and the Black Panthers. So I went to go look because this was right after Beyonce did uh, the halftime performance at the Super Bowl. She just went in on the Black Panthers, was calling the Black Panthers a terrorist organization and this and that. And, you know, Beyonce's performance was anti-police. So I gave her a donkey of the day. When I gave her a donkey of the day, uh, her show, I think at the time she was on the Blaze Network, they reached out to me to come be on her show to discuss. And I was cool with that because I'm all about you know, going on these people's platforms and challenging right. their narratives. I don't want to say change their narratives because, yo, man, you're never going to change the narrative of a racist anyway or right. a misogynist or a sexist. Or the way they want to see you is how they want to see you. Right. But if I go on this platform, somebody watching, right. you know, might 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 get sparked. You know right. what I mean? So I went on there and I challenged her, her narrative of Beyonce and the Black Panthers. And I schooled her on who the Black Panthers really were and schooled her on what Beyonce was doing. Beyonce's performance wasn't anti-police. It was anti-police brutality. Like, how can you be an American and be against, get, be against this? And um, from there, I hadn't spoke to her in a while, you know? You just did the show. I did the show and kept it moving. And then... I don't know how we ended up exchanging emails. I think she, I think her producer or somebody might have hit me up and we exchanged emails. And I remember having a conversation with her saying, look, man, if this is really you, cool. You know what I'm saying? If you really believe the things that you're saying, if, if, if this is really the rhetoric that you want to spew because this is truly how you feel in your heart, I don't got a problem with that. You know what I'm saying? I don't agree with it, but I don't have a problem if it's really you. But if you're just doing this because it's getting you hits and it's getting you likes and it's getting you retweets, you're going to crash and burn, right? And she was like, no, this is how I really feel, blah, 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 this and that. Now, the problem came in, she came to New York. She never used to come to New York. She came to New York. She was doing the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. 
She wanted to do the Breakfast Club. She had been said she wanted to do the Breakfast Club for months. I'm like, cool. She did Trevor Noah's show. She had a poor showing on Trevor Noah. So the Blaze pulled her. Didn't want her to do the Breakfast Club. Now, that day, I had a meet. I was supposed to have a meeting with her at Viacom anyway. Because somebody at Viacom thought it would be a good idea for me and her to do a show. I wasn't going to do that. Right. Every, every woman in the building was like, Charlamagne, you better fucking not. I was like, I'm not even thinking about it. Right. You know what I mean? But if, if you listen to the Breakfast Club that day, I was like, yo... You know, um, I'm supposed to have a meeting with her later. She canceled on the she canceled on us, but I'm supposed to have a meeting with her later. Envy was like, yo, you should go talk to her. Right. You know what I mean? See where her head is at. So we was literally in a meeting. It was me, her, her two agents, my guy, Paul Ritchie from uh, Viacom. And we was just having a conversation. And I told her, I said, yo, I think that a lot of your rhetoric is dangerous for black people. You know what I mean? The this thing is, is just in a meeting This privately. is just in a meeting, having a conversation. Because I'm really trying to see where her head at. I want to see if this is really her. I'm like, yo, your rhetoric is very dangerous. She said, why? And I said, because... The way you paint the Black Lives Matter as a terrorist organization. And then she explained to me why she feels like BLM is a terrorist organization. She said that she was in Dallas that night where that guy went rogue and shot all of those cops. And she said that her parents were getting death threats and she was getting death threats. And she kept referencing this video where some people were marching saying, what do we want? Uh, Dead cops or something like that. And they were saying they were members of BLM. And I was like. You're a Trump supporter, right? And she said, yeah. And I said, do you think all Trump supporters are racist? She said, no. Some of us just want to drain the swamp and we're tired of government. But when I do go to these, you know, Trump rallies, there's a lot of people there that are straight up racist. So I said, but you can see the difference. She said, yeah. So I said, how come you can see the nuance in Trump supporters but can't see the nuance in BLM? You know what I'm saying? Everybody in BLM don't want to kill cops. You know what I mean? Everybody in BLM don't want to see cops dead. Some people in BLM just want justice. They understand that the injustice everywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. They just want these cops to be held accountable when they commit these, you know, uh, un- un- unjust murders. And she just wouldn't grasp that concept. She wouldn't grasp what you just she, said. She wouldn't grasp it. And literally, that's, that's one of the smartest things. Basic, bare bones. Basic. Like, slow pitch things. Like, that was very fucking... Smart, clear, and articulate. She said it's not the same thing. And her agent was like, her agent was like, no, it is. And Paul Richie was like, no, it, it's absolutely They said that to them there. The same thing, yeah. And these are all white guys, by the way. <laughs> Three white guys all said the same exact thing to her. They were like, nah. And, and I couldn't understand if she was just being a contrarian because we were in the room. Is she a fucking dingbat then? Is she like the Pamela Anderson? Because she's not dope. I think these old yeah. Republicans like, oh, look at her. She's not. She's a flat ass, big tooth, bleach blonde. I can't fucking stand her ass. Yeah, I. I and like, she's like walking around like she's like, I call her an Aryan pinup girl. Yeah, I don't think she's, I don't think she's smart. I don't think she's bright. And then plus, like I said, I don't believe her. Because, you know, I went back and I watched like a lot of her old stuff in college. She was more liberal. You know, I think that I think that she was on the blaze. She did an interview. She did a a, a piece about Barack Obama that mm. went viral, and I think she just stuck with that because it was working for her. You know, and um, everybody got mad at me because they caught us coming out of that meeting at Viacom. Right, that's right. Yeah, and, and uh, it was like, yo, Charlemagne, you 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 like it was like, yo, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I, I'm be honest with you, I just something I wasn't taking serious. I was like, yo, black dicks matter. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Like I was just like, like I, I, I honestly. I didn't I didn't realize I guess the magnitude of the situation. You know what was I'm saying? Was that a game changer for you to like sort of like the internet of it all and the, the, the clip of it all it and was. The, the Instagram it was. of it all? It was. But it wasn't even that. Like I made it worse because I, I took a picture with her and I put the picture in black and white and I go, Do you see color? And I put laughing emojis. And the reason I did that is because when she was on Trevor Noah's show, 
She was like, she don't see color. Yes, you so do. So Trevor Noah was like, so what are you doing? You're at a traffic light. I just thought that shit was funny. So I just thought I was being witty when I posted this caption and thought people would get it. So they were mad about that. And then they saw the video of us coming out the building, not knowing the context, not knowing that I just, like, I'm not doing the show with you. You know what I mean? After like that. You had a meeting. Had a meeting. Which you know is a good meeting. Yeah. And but so they saw that. But then like a couple of days later, I literally, I posted online. I said, yo, it would be dope if a woke woman of color, you know, uh, created a platform. To, to become a voice and control our narrative the way Tommy Lauren did. Now, what I was talking about was infrastructure. I'm like, y'all want that infrastructure because, yo, even when she got fired, she was still posting videos on her Facebook and she was getting hundreds of thousands of views. I'm like, yo, we need that kind of infrastructure for our people. But everybody thought I was trying to make a comparison between black women and Tommy Lauren. Uh-huh. So that was just all bad. And I mean, yo, my community really gave it to me and rightfully so. Like, I'm not above criticism from my community you know what i'm saying like and that's why i said that was just another example of like sometimes you got to step back get out of your own way put your ego to the side and actually observe what you just did right you know what i'm saying i think a lot of people aren't capable of being self-aware i was self-aware in that moment like i was like you know what i definitely fucked that one up i didn't execute that one well so this particular situation do you go on the radio and acknowledge it yeah or do you go on twitter acknowledge it or do you do the whole sort of thing well i try well the funny thing about it is on twitter i had literally put out six to seven tweets about this one situation but but by the time you come back to your phone you're like oh shit that one first tweet (laughs) woke women of color went everywhere that's the one that goes viral so nobody sees you explaining exactly what you're talking about as far as infrastructure like I was even giving them examples like I was like yo like the young Turks we need something like this you know what I'm saying like I was explaining what I meant by that but it was already off and running so just the next day on the radio yeah yeah open up the phone lines you know gave myself donkey of the day you know like basically I could I could explained it better you know, and that to me, I'm not. I'm not above that. Like, I'm not right. above doing stuff like that. Like, you're not gonna get it right all the time. Right. Like, like, you're just not. And I'm not trying to get it right all the time. Right. I'm just being me. Right. And I think that's one thing that we have to start doing as human beings in this era. We like to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Somebody says one thing you don't agree with, it's fucking over. And all of a sudden, fuck you. I'm like, yo, I've been here the whole time on the front lines with y'all. Y'all know my heart. Y'all know where I stand. But you mad at me just because I. I, I didn't play this one right or I didn't say this the way you want me to say it exactly. Like, I ain't got time for that shit, basically. Right. No, mm-hmm. I know. It's tough because it's like we have more forums for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Joe Schmo, you, me, and everybody in yep. between and higher, lower in between to say more. But then, like, you got to fucking phrase it right, yeah. watch right. Like, people, you could put a tweet out, misspell something. You can't spell, you dumb fuck, or you could say something, and yeah. them shits ain't going away. Motherfuckers are screen shooting, yeah. and it's, it's, uh... That's not the way life works, though. I know. No one's perfect. Nobody's perfect. People going to make mistakes. People going to say things you don't agree with. That's why I love when, like, I'm having a conversation with somebody, and they'll say something to me like, you know, Charlamagne, I don't always agree with you, but you be saying some real shit. Are, are you true to yourself or you're always honest? That's that's it. That at the end of the day, that is it. You know, right. I'm not always gonna say the right thing or the thing that you agree with, but I'm always gonna be true to self. Who always says the right thing? And, and, and the bad part, everybody's trying to always say the right thing now because everybody's playing to the fucking choir. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's all everybody's we we know we got these amen corners now. Everybody wants to get those amens. I don't want to get those amens. I just want to say what the fuck I feel like saying. If you agree with it, cool. If you disagree, fine. I don't, it don't bother me either way. Trump, have you ever come across him in New York? Because like I, used to, I saw Never. him at, at at Puffy's first big party. I don't remember what year it was. It was like the first time, like like it wasn't just a Puffy party at a club or a big club. 
It was down in Wall Street, you know, and I remember see. I mean, every fucking body was there. Everybody from hip hop, Jeter, you know, with Mariah Carey. I mean, I had my little camera. Like, this is like film cameras. I saw him. I've seen him. At, have you ever seen him in real life? Never. Never in any New York shit. Never, ever. Never ran into Donald Trump at all. How, how demoralizing, disappointing. Like, where where's your head at with it? Because when I saw him the other day at the Civil Rights Museum, like, he, he was like the last place he, he, he wanted to be. He wasn't talking his shit. He was slurring his fucking words. It was 11.10 in the morning. And I'm just like, this is, this is just like, yo... Like I'm not even in, I'm not even I don't even know shit about politics, but I know this motherfucker is not kosher. I think uh, I mean yeah I agree with everything he's just saying. I think that he's a bigot, you know. Um, I, I think that he's 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 prejudiced in some way, shape, or form, and I don't even I don't even know if it's just as simple as a white black prejudice. I think it's more like an elitist, you know what I'm saying? Billionaire. I'm better than everybody that's poor, you know, type type prejudice. But I definitely feel like it's a uh, it's it's definitely a lot of uh, a white white supremacy within him. Do you um, think he's doing the same thing like Tom Loren is doing in terms of sort of this works? I'm gonna go with it, or you think it's genuine? Nah, I definitely think it's genuine. I think I, de- I definitely think it's genuine because I don't think that you can you can't you can't fake something like this. And plus, you look at <laughs> right. you look at like the things that his father was into, like getting arrested at a Klan rally back in the day. You mm-hmm. think of uh, his history of of like housing discrimination, you know, with the Trump Towers or whatever, like. Uh, like yeah, I definitely think this is this is who Trump is. But I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I think it's gonna end up being one of the best things that ever happened to America. Why? Because I believe in building and destroying. You know, I believe uh, to build is to add onto your life positively, step by step. To destroy is to tear down everything that's negative within your cipher. Like I feel like Donald Trump has pulled the mask off of America. Motherfuckers been fronting and pretending for a long time. You've been fronting about your prejudices. You've been fronting about your racism, your sexism, your your your, your homophobia. You know what I'm saying? Your your anti-Semitism. Yeah. Se- se- did I pronounce it right? Semitism. Yeah. Semitism. Like you've been you're every- asking me, I barely speak the language. <laughs> <laughs> When everybody's been fronting on it. Right, right. Now you know who's who. I don't mm. have a problem knowing who's who. Mm. Let me know who's who. Like, mm. I don't want to, you know, be in a restaurant and wonder why I'm getting bad service. Fuck all that covert racism. Give me the overt shit, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? Fuck all that overt homophobia, that covert homophobia. Give me the overt shit. Like, I want to know how you really feel about, you know, whatever it is I may be. Like, I like that. And I think that, you know, right now you see a lot of us empowering ourselves man like i look at the way like we always we was talking about hillary being uh you know president and what that would have done for women i think it would have done for women this, the same thing barack being president did for blacks which is make us comfortable make us feel like shit is sweet when it really wasn't sweet you know what i'm saying barack was just a symbol i got love for barack you know i voted for him twice but he was just a symbol you know what I'm saying? Like, we was just happy to have a black president in the White House. Right. We didn't go up there and get nothing done. Right. You know what I'm saying? We didn't go up there and demand anything. Like, we was just happy with that symbol. I think I think it would have been the same thing for women. I think being that women saw, you know, how, how, how this unqualified piece of shit individual became president of the United States of America over the most qualified candidate in history who just happened to be a woman. When they saw that, they was like, oh, fuck. Fuck no. And if you, yo, from the from the start of the year, 
women just been on their shit from the women's march to 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 women rising in the in the in the media world like Angela Rye to you know the rise of activists like Tamika Mallory and Linda Sarsour and Carmen Perez like even just like you looking pop culture the Tiffany Haddishes and the Cardi B's the Scissors like people love like women are being pushed to the forefront mm. in a way we've never seen especially women of color mm. I don't think that happens. If Hillary gets in the White House. I got you. I'm be honest with you. I don't know if that happens. That makes sense. That's good shit. Um, all right, I'm going to let you go in a minute. Cardi B, you said you you can't predict it. I mean, no one can predict this sort of success. Yeah. But you knew she was special? I knew she was a star. Absolutely. Like, I, I've been bringing Cardi on. Let me see. Cardi's like, what, 23 now? She she's 23 years old? Yeah, like 23, 24. She's young as hell. Like, she's been coming on the birth club. She was like 19. You know what I'm saying? 19, 20. From Love and Hip Hop? Nah, before Love and Hip Hop. Before Love and Hip Hop? Before Love and Hip Hop. Where was she before Love and Hip Hop? She was on Instagram. Oh, yeah, shit. She, was, she was one of those Instagram sensations. That's when I saw her. And like, I'm the type of person, man, I don't care about delivery because I'm from the country. I didn't go to college. You know what I'm saying? I got right. a fucking lisp. I can't fucking pronounce words. I say straight, screech strong. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I don't worry about like, you know, somebody's educational background or what their delivery is. I listen to what the fuck they're saying. So Cardi used to be on Instagram saying things like, look, man, living in New York is hard. You know what I'm saying? If you live in New York and you make minimum wage, you probably bring home $250 a week. You know what I'm saying? You can't pay no fucking bills off $250 a week. Like, So if you don't want to be out here struggling, having to script, suck dick for money like me, you little bitches better stay in school. Get a uh. fucking education. Like, that's a great PSA. You uh. know what I'm saying? Uh. You may not agree with what she's saying, but what she's saying is absolutely motherfucking real. So it's like little things like that is what... What, what caught my attention, I was just like, yo, this girl's speaking truth to power. Uh-huh. Regardless of how, regardless of if you agree how she's speaking, she's speaking truth to power. So I was like, yo, this girl's a star. And I used to always be saying, like, Cardi B for president. Cardi's a star. Before all this. Before all of this. And everybody like, yo, you trolling, you trolling, you trolling. So when she got on Love and Hip Hop, I was super championing that. And then I, 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 we was playing her song on the radio, Cheap Ass Weave. Everybody like, oh, Charlamagne, you trolling with this Cardi B shit. You trolling with this shit. And now look, look at her now. You know, I mean, that's a truly only in America. Absolutely, it's it's an incredible fucking story. Bro, like, Donald Trump is a truly yes. is a, is a only in America yes. type story. Like everybody talks about uh, Barack Obama, and they're like, "Yo, that that's the best case of optimism." No, it's not. Donald yes. Trump is the best case for optimism. That, like I, I like I look at Barack and I see his skin color, and like, yeah, you you, you may tell your kids, "Yo, anybody can be president." And it's like, no, Barack. Got hella education. Like Barack went to Harvard and Nobel Peace Prizes, and like look how well spoken he is. He's a great orator. Like it's a lot that goes into Barack Obama. Right. Donald Trump is the best case of optimism. Never held no political office. Can barely motherfucking talk. You know what I'm saying? Not qualified for shit. And he's the president of the United States of America. He's a better case for optimism than Barack Obama. To become Barack Obama, you actually got to put some work in. That makes good fucking sense. Yeah. Well, what do you do when? Let's say a friend, like I did. I, to be honest with you, I didn't even see. I didn't watch it because I was like, I don't want to see it. There was something with DJ Envy, uh, with some tweets or texts or some shit, and then you had oh, to like the dildo. Yeah. Was, well, yeah. how do you deal with that? That's your man. That's your coworker. How do you, as an interviewer, like? Because people are like, oh shit. Like they're like, this is fucking blood in the water. These are the two guys that always talk shit. Yeah. You're the fucking instigator. He's sort of like the the guy who's always throwing the frisbees. Yeah. How, how do you deal with that? Because I honest, to be honest, with you, I didn't even watch it because I was like, I just didn't want a part of it. So what do you do with that situation? You bring that shit right to the radio immediately, like the whole show, and even still making jokes about it now. So what's up? You taking dildos up your ass? And like he's like trying to explain. I'm like I don't believe you. 
I think that you taking dildos up the ass. Like you just is that what you guys were, you you guys oh, basically yeah. had this oh, conversation yeah. oh, on the oh, radio? Yeah, I fucked with them all. I mean, it was bad. I fucked with them all morning long. Oh, it was bad. But did you feel uncomfortable fucking with them? No. That's what I fucking Not at all. Not at all. Because we do it to each other. Like, if I got some shit that's going on, I'm going to... But that was like, yo, that was like, talk about that. Talk about that. that was like in a sweet spot. If no you, pun intended. Yeah, if you come in there and you tell me like, look, man, I don't really want to talk about this. Oh, so it must be true then. Right. He knew he <laughs> no, had to... to like, you, you got to. You got to acknowledge it. Like, why wouldn't you? You got to fucking acknowledge it. So, yeah, we. I still fuck with him to, that, to this day. Like to this day, like his wife was on because we did the whole, the whole change for change thing a couple of weeks ago. We raised money for the gathering for justice organization, uh. and um, his wife was on there, and I was like, "So how much money y'all gonna donate? Uh, nine and a half thousand dollars." <laughs> and she was like, "I know what joke you're trying to make, and I want you to know my man doesn't take nine and a half; he takes ten. Don't show up, my man is having. So it's just funny shit, you know what I mean? Like I'm not. Why run from it? The, the change for change project and all the money. Explain that to the people that listen to the podcast and if they could still donate. Well, no, they can't. We're actually presenting the check to them. I don't know when this is coming up, but we're presenting the check to them this Friday. To? To, to the Gathering for Justice organization. And how much money did you guys raise? Uh, I think the total was like 800 something, 878, 838. I don't, 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 count, don't, I don't know the exact number, but it was eight something. And are you like, this is fucking, like, are you, you guys must be so fucking proud of that. Um, honestly, I haven't stopped to think about it. Uh, I, I, it was one of those things that I had been working on all year long. Like I first went to, uh, I heart with the idea over the summer. Cause you know, my thing is, man, don't tell me how much you love my community and don't, don't, don't talk to me in the hall about the injustices that are going on in the African American community. I don't talk to me about how you think it's wrong. What's happening in the Colin Kaepernick. Like let's fucking do something about right. it. You know? And then I look at, uh, you know, I was looking at Colin Kaepernick's Know Your Rights Camp. It's an organization that I've been a mentor at. You know, I've, I've gone to do mentorship at his camp. You have? Yeah, absolutely. You 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 met with him? Yeah, Kyle's my guy. That's fine. Has yeah. he come on the show? No, he hasn't been on the show. Like, Kyle's not, he's not really that type of person. He doesn't, he wants to just do, right? He just wants to do the work. You know what I'm saying? That's it. He just wants to do the work. Him and, him and, his, girl, him and his girlfriend, Nessa, uh, me and her are really cool. Like, me and Nessa have been tight for like... Six years now, because Nessa used to work for iHeart. Okay. And, and, and we both used to work at MTV together. So okay. So we was always just, like, really close. She works at High 97 now doing afternoons. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She worked at High 97 doing afternoons. I, I wish she was still with us at iHeart, but, you know, whatever. But that, that's, like, she's a real good friend of mine. I got you. And so I, I, I knew when her and Colin first started kicking it and everything. So. Do you think... Well, since you know him, like, is he, is that, because to me, I'm like, yo, he's not speaking, he's not saying anything, you don't hear any blurbs, there's no fucking podcast, there's no breakfast club, there's no nothing, because he just wants to just... He just wants to do the work. Very genuine dude, man. Right. If you sit down with Colin, he's one of those people whose energy presents itself before he even opens his mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just a really good dude, you know, and, and, and like, he, he's always thinking about how can he move the culture forward. Like, how can he help people? Like, this guy has pledged to give a million dollars of his own money to various organizations, and he's done it. Right. And he hasn't even had a job for the past year. So that was that was where my mindset was at. My right. mindset was like, yo, I see him, you know, taking money out of his own pocket to, to, to fund the Know Your Rights camp. Like, let's raise money for him. And, right. um, you know, the gathering, I mean, the uh, the Women's March, you know, Tamika Mallory, Linda Sarsour, Carmen Perez, like, yo, these, these, these young ladies are really risking their lives and their livelihood for us, mm -hmm. three young, three women, three mm -hmm. young women out there all the time on the front lines. And like, we know they need resources. They need funding. Like we, people act like Martin Luther King Jr. Then was just marching back in the day. Nah, Harry Belafonte them was funding those movements. So 
I, those are the two organizations I presented that I wanted to raise money for. And um, at the time, Colin Kaepernick, he wasn't even a nonprofit, you know. And um, the, the, I later on, maybe like after me presenting the idea, like I found out a few weeks later that the Gathering for Justice movement, which was a nonprofit founded by Harry Belafonte, now all of these organizations were under his umbrella. Oh. So the Know Your Rights Camp, the Women's March, and the Justice League NYC. So that that was just all God putting that together, man. Because to find one organization that represents two organizations that you want to raise money for, and then throwing the Justice League NYC. I'm like, this is this is perfect. So that was just all God engineering. So I had the idea for the Radiothon to be on the air for 24 hours. We raised like over 700 grand in 24 hours. Everybody donated, you know, from Diddy to Will I Am to Eminem to Ed Sheeran, like all of these different people. But more importantly, the people mm. stepped up. $5, $10, $20, $100, $50. Like, the people, man. And that was just so dope to me because I always say that we're all we need at the end of the day. Like, I ain't got time to be complaining about no fucking Trump. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, Jay-Z said, government, fuck government. We politic ourselves. Like, I ain't got time to be complaining about what they doing in the White House and how that, like, let's let's help ourselves. Let's right. empower ourselves. And right. that's what we did with the Change for Change. I respect that. Um, let me ask you the obligatory Top five MCs question, top five groups of uh, question. But with the obligatory top five MCs question, I want to remove Jay Z, remove Nas, and you have to be alive it's because it always, it, Jay Z and Nas always take up the list of, of the top five. So we're re- removing them. Let's just consider them on everybody's list. And Tupac and Biggie essentially uh, are, aren't on it because uh, they passed. That's crazy though, because I, I always say I got a top seven, but if you take those two out, now it's my top five. Okay, top five. So, so my top five. Charlemagne the God, God obligatory. Top five, obligatory top five greatest MCs of all time for me. Yes. And Go- it's interchangeable. Ghostface Killer is my favorite rapper ever. I like that. Has he come on The Breakfast Club? Ghostface Ghost has never been on The Breakfast Club. And that's my guy. Like I, I remember the first time I met Ghost when I used to work with Wendy Williams, I was drunk. I forgot where we was at. It was some type of party, and Ghost came in there. I'm like, Ghost, I fucking love you, man. Like, you have no idea. Like, and I know I was on some groupie shit that night, but I'm a kid, man. Like, these is this fucking Ghost face. Like, you got a groupie out. With- I, I, come on, man. Like, I, I, like I, we live in this era where if you tell somebody how much you love them, you're dick riding. No, if I'm you not. Tell, if you tell somebody how much you don't like them, you're hating. I'm like, where's the middle ground? Like, why can't we celebrate people? So I'm quoting rhymes to him. Me and Ghostface stood outside this club in New York probably like 07, and I rapped Wildflower to him. Wildflower's off Supreme Clientele. He's like, yo, bitch, I fucked your friend. Yeah, you stink, ho. I seen her on the elevator. Honey, grab my Kango. She put me on the mega ship, about to slap the bitch. She shot crazy rubble. I leaned back like I'm rich. It took place late night on February 17th. Like, I, I, we wrapped that shit together. He was rocking with you? Yes. That's, so, so, that's fucking dope. Yeah, and the last time I seen him, I think I saw him in the airport recently, but maybe like a year ago. I don't know. But Ghost is my favorite. Um, I love that guy. Oh, he's incredible. His whole shit. Oh, man. Come One on, of man. a kind. One of a kind. When I found out who made his robes, my man Hassan Torre, I got a fucking robe made. I was walking around New York with a Cedar God robe. I still got it at the house. I still wear it around the house sometimes. <laughs> oh, shit. But, uh, okay. Ghostface, uh, Killer Mike. Okay. Killer Mike is phenomenal, man. Yeah. Um, people. Run the jewels. Run the jewels, man. But I mean, even before that, with his, yeah. uh, you know. Um, Goody. Yeah, good. And I, Dungeon I, Dungeon Family and all them? Yeah, I pledge allegiance to the grind mixtapes and yeah. albums. Like uh, Killer Mike is one of the most slept on lyricists out here. I agree. Here. Um T I. Okay. 
I love T.I., man. He's dope. I, I think lyrically, T.I. is just, he's dope. Like, you just got to go back and listen to those indiscreet mixtapes. Listen to I'm Serious. Listen to, you know, Urban Legend. Game changer. Trap music. Oh, phenomenal. Like, there's no there's no trap. Like, you don't, this next guy who I'm about to say is my favorite, you don't have him without T.I., and that's Jeezy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Jeezy's not the greatest lyricist, but you feel him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you feel him. Mm-hmm. He just says those things like, you just feel them like the world is yours and everything in it is out there. Get on mm-hmm. your grind and get it. Yeah, hands mm-hmm. in the air. Like it's just it's the way he words things. It's just dope to me. And then um, Scarface, man. That's my that's my that's my five. If I got to take Jay and Nas out, that's my five. Scarface and Scarface, he speaks for himself. And if I have to say, well, that's my five. I'm about to say honorable mention, but could you an honorable mention? Cause, Red cause- man. Stupid. Come on, man. Red, there's no Eminem without Red Man. I keep trying to tell people that, like, if Eminem was black, he'd be Red Man. Red Man's wordplay is just that amazing. And, I agree. And I think Eminem is a better songwriter than, I mean, Red Man's a better songwriter than Eminem, too. If you don't believe me, go listen to Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters celebrated 21 years. He's getting ready to drop some fire because I seen, I mean, I hope it's fire because I seen some clips he put out on the internet and I was like, this is what the fuck I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. He killed the new Wu Tang album. Killed it. He killed the new Wu Tang album. Hey, has he been on the show? He's been on there a couple times. Right? So you're, are you hyped like, yo, fucking Red Man? Always, always. I, I'm a 90s kid. Man, you see my, my hoodie? It's fucking Mike Tyson from Mike Tyson Punch Out, man. No doubt. You know what I'm saying? It's the type of shit I grew up on. I grew up on fucking, you know, Wu Tang and Red Man. The first time I ever punched a kid in the face, the time for some action was in my headphones. Like, like that's, those are the people that provided the soundtrack to my life. So how can I not get excited when I see those guys? It's hard for me not to fan out whenever I'm around Wu-Tang. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sitting at the crib literally maybe two months ago. Meth calling my phone. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, salute to Meth, Meth and Man. Meth wanted to get me on Drop the Mic. But just, man, I'm getting a call from Meth and Man. Like, I don't get old. I don't give a fuck how old I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's fucking Meth and Man, motherfucker. Like, show some respect. You know what I'm saying? Like, when we interviewing RZA, like, that's different. Now, Gray Kwan calling me over to his studio to watch the Only Built for Cuban Links documentary and wants me to be on the Only Built. I did the Only Built for Cuban Links documentary, which is phenomenal, by the way. Yeah. It's not out yet, but it's phenomenal. He wanted me to be on it because he know I'm such a big Wu-Tang fan. Like, like, come on, man. Like, that's different. Like, that mm. was it. Like, I never thought I'd be. I don't take shit like that for granted is what right. I'm trying to say. I don't take that shit for granted. All right. Charlemagne the God. This was dope. I yes, appreciate sir. it. Book. Is still on sale. New York Times bestseller, seven weeks, black privilege. Yep. TV host, radio host. Yep. Outspoken, shit talker and connoisseur. Yes, sir. Um, what else can I say? That's it. I'm a prof- I, tr- I call myself a professional game spitter, heavy hitter, shit talker. Don't nobody run off at the mouth better than me. I mean, you're you're good. You're good too. You're you're fucking good. <laughs> I mean, you're fucking Hall of Fame good. Thank you. Thank like you. I don't know if you're in the hall yet. You might be. You're still. You're, you're still not in building. the hall. You're still playing. Still playing. You, still you, playing. I, like I, I told Steve Harvey the other day. I said you're in the Hall of Fame because you've dialed it back. But that's a Hall of Fame shit talker. Yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve is a great inspiration of mine. Like you know, he's somebody that I model my career after. Just as far as entrepreneurship, you know what I'm saying? Looking at what he's doing in the media world as far as radio and television and executive producing all of these shows he's doing his shit. and his talk show. He's the man. Like he, Black Privilege, the book, is uh, the reason I structured it the way I structured it is because of Steve. Because my original title for my book was I Don't Give a Fuck and Neither Should You. And it was going to be a self-help guide on how not to give a fuck. And all the publishers that touched on Simon she was like, no, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. It'll never sell. It won't get displacement. Meanwhile, you know, uh, Mark... Mark Maron comes out, or Mark Manson comes out with the subtle art of not giving a fuck, sells a million goddamn copies. That motherfucker. Yeah, but but Steve was like, look, man, you got more to offer than that. 
give these kids some lessons, some principles. You know what I'm saying? He was like, yo, I put a suit on for the, my book cover. You know what I mean? I, and I was like, yo, you know what? You're right. And that's what I did. That's why I put the suit on because mm. I'm showing people where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And plus on the back, you know what I'm saying? I got the white T-shirt on with the South Carolina hat because I, I still will always remember in the back of my mind where I came from and who I am at the core of me. You know what I mean? But I know... <laughs> I want to have a late night show, talk show one day. You know what I'm saying? I told you that yesterday. Like, I don't want, there's no black people in that space. There's no black men in that space. You got like Robin Thede on BET now, but like, there's no black host on a major network. And it's crazy. It's weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got even John Oliver and Bill Maher on HBO. So I want to get on one of those cable networks and just have like a weekly late night show. You know what I'm saying? Where we just really talk that real shit. Absolutely. Charlemagne, the motherfucking god. Yes, I appreciate sir. you coming on the I'm Rap. Thank you, my grandpa, for having me, man. Absolutely. Peace. All right, I want to thank my guest, Charlemagne the God. Definitely get his book. Read his book. New York Times best-selling book, Black Privilege. You catch him every single day. The host of The Breakfast Club. They got their YouTube page. It's easy to find. Charlemagne the God. Again, thank you for rocking me on the Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast. This was a this was a great episode with an iconic shit talker. Um, and we're done. Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I'm out.